Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. Man, it's good to see you guys here today. Thanks for being here to worship with us. If you're new today, I'm Pastor Randall, and I want to welcome you to uh, Lanier Hills Church, the perfect church for people who aren't. If you were in the first service today, if you were which you weren't because you were here, but uh, man, nothing worked, microphones didn't work, lights went crazy, and God just reminded me before I came out, it's not about our perfection, right? It's about Him and His power and His 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 power working in our lives and uh, His power, what He can do this morning, and I believe He wants to speak into our lives this morning, and I believe the enemy, anytime we're talking about Jesus and pointing people to Him, He hates it and He's going to do everything He can to distract us from it. And so this morning, uh, we want to focus on Jesus, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to get an opportunity at the end of the sermon time today to do communion together. It's going to be a very beautiful time of worship to get together today. So we want to get our hearts ready for that this morning. So uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out. We're going to meet John chapter 12 in just a few moments. We'll get there. And um, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. There's also this QR code on the seat. You can scan that with your phone, and it'll take you to, like, a bulletin today with all the worship notes and all of the stuff you need, scriptures and all those things. So we'll get there in just a moment. But I've got a question for you to start off this morning. Here's the question. What captivates your heart? Like, what's, what drives you? What's, what are you passionate about? ways to figure that out is like, okay, so what do you talk about a lot? What do you end up talking about? What gets your money? What are you willing to sacrifice for? What drives you? What gives you your purpose? What if you took it away? Would you lose your purpose in life? <laughs> well, for a lot of us, I bet a lot of us here today, they would be, that's my family. Right? That's my family. That's family. You love your family. I love my family. They get your money, right? Yeah, family, gets, family gets your money. Family gets a lot of attention. It gets a lot of your energy. It gets a lot of those things. Yeah, I mean, when my, uh, for the last 26 years, my daughter, who's just turned 26, you know, when we started having babies, that's where most of our money went, most of our conversation, almost all of our energy, you know, it goes to those things. And, and we even talked about once that, all of our kids played sports. I helped coach all their sports and all that, all the way through high school. They did all of the things. You name it, they did it, like a lot of you. We counted up, we, we went to a, over 1,500 sporting events. That's a lot, right? That's a lot. One of the best things we bought was one of those, like, little bleacher seats. Because, man, those bleachers, they kill your back, right? But all the events, so we invested a lot of time into that, and it's good, and it's so good, and that's what you're spending your time in. But others have other things. Maybe it's not family yet. You hope to do it one day. Maybe it's your career. You're on a path, and you're investing all that into your career, your school, your job. Maybe it's a hobby that drives you. You're captivated by that hobby. Maybe it's your friendships and relationships that you have, and that's what gives you purpose. Uh, whatever. Maybe you've got your own thing that captivates you. But the question is, is it... Is it worthy of it? Is it worthy of all that you give it? See, we would define that thing or whatever. We would say it's like an intense form of admiration for that thing. Your family, your career, whatever it is. It's an intense form of admiration or focus towards something that deeply captivates you, your heart. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm going to show you up on the screen here real quick. That worship is also described that way. So look at this. Worship. It's an intense form, and we have it up here on the screen, of admiration or focus towards something that deeply captivates an individual's heart and mind. So we're like, oh, I'm driven by my family, I'm driven by my work. But you know what? We could also say, you worship that thing. Because the word worship is, right? It gives us, it's our admiration, our focus towards something. And you would never say, I worship my family. I worship my career. I worship my job. But when you look at the definition of worship and what you captivate you in admiration, they fall in the same place. So we're wired to worship. God put this idea to worship in our heart. And here's the deal. Every single one of us and every person on the planet is worshiping something. You're giving your devotion, you're giving your admiration, you're giving your time, your energy, your strength, you're giving it to something. And here's why. Because when we give it to something, we think it's going to fulfill us and give us purpose in our life. We're like, man, I'm driven by this, this mission to help people or build this thing or start this career or do whatever or have the best family and, and you find your purpose. And here's the deal. Here's what I found. After my last kid graduated high school, I'm like, what in the world? I've been spending the last, you know, 26 years, 20 years invested in all this stuff. Now what do I do? You know what I'm talking about? Why? Because maybe I'd worship my family. And... Family's great, but anything that takes the place of God in our life is not good. And I found purpose and meaning and being a parent and a dad, and, but, and that's good when it's supposed to, but you know what? There's something greater. Something greater that gives us purpose and meaning. And here's what I want us to recognize, that worship defines us. What you worship defines you. It shapes your actions, your thoughts, and ultimately your destination. So we must be careful about what we worship. Because misdirected worship leads to emptiness and delusionment. It does. It's misdirected. And if you're, all of your hope is in your family, when those kids go off to school or that person you put all your hope into walks out the door, where is your hope now? Right? So you've been there. So we have to figure out what's the best thing to put our, to give our worship, to give our admiration, to drive us and give us path, cap, um, to have passion for what is the best thing? There's a lot of good things, and those are good, but what's the best thing? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want you to ask yourself, do the things you, tr you are passionate about truly satisfy your soul? So, we're going to dig into Scripture in John 12 in just a moment. We're going to see a great example of some ladies who've got it right. We figured it out, and we can learn from them about who we should worship how we should worship, and why we should worship this person. So would you pray with me, and let's ask God to open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear exactly what He wants to say to us. And I want you to ask Him, God, show me what captivates me, and if it's the right thing. Lord, we thank You for speaking to us this morning. We are ready. We thank You for Your Word, as we're about to read it. Lord, your word does not come back void. It goes out and it pricks hearts and it challenges us and it comforts us and it's a it's a bread to a thirsty soul, to a hungry soul, it's water to a thirsty soul. 
But for some people that are hard, it's a hammer and it cracks it open, your heart open. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that your word would be a light into our path this morning. Would you give us open eyes to see what you want us to see this morning? And we need to see spiritually things in our own life that maybe we were worshiping, that uh, we have misplaced worship. Would you open our ears to hear your voice speaking in our life? your guidance and your direction. And Lord, would you give us a mind to understand and a heart that doesn't just know you're there, but feels you, experiences you, and is devoted to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John 12 is where we're going to be. Let me set the background. We're going to walk through John, just taking a section by section. And what we saw the last few weeks, we talked about the raising of Lazarus. Lazarus is one of Jesus' good friends, and his sister Mary and Martha are close to him. And he dies, and we saw the story. You can go back and read it. And, and he dies, and Jesus comes, and he heals and he raises him from the dead. After four days being in the grave, he gets him up, comes out of the grave. And we, were, and we saw last week how there were a lot of people there. Some people believed it. They saw it, and they just were like, this surely is the Son of God, and they followed him. And others were like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, how do you not believe? It's right there in front of you. But they didn't get it. And they missed it. Just like we can miss God working in our own life when He's right in front of us. And now this week we pick up what happens next. So they're going to throw a party for Jesus, right? Like, hey, this guy, he's the real deal. He just raised Jesus, Lazarus from the dead. And so they're throwing a party to honor Him. And we're going to pick up in John 12 and verse 1. It says this, Six days before the Passover, so it's real soon after this Lazarus situation, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lives. So he's already been there. He's maybe he went away for a day or two, whatever. And whom Jesus raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, right? They're like, hey, he's the man. And Martha served. I love that. Some of you, you're going to do that this week. You're going to fix a meal for the people you love. And, and it's not going to be a chore because you love it. You love the people you're serving for, right? <laughs> Martha served. She fixed a meal. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And Mary took about a pint of nard, or pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the other scriptures we see she even cried and wiped them with her tears. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That's what worship does. It fills the room. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. All right, so what do we see here? This is a great story. Um, in other scriptures, it talks about this story, and we get other you know, reviews of it. But just kind of review here. So they're having this dinner for Jesus. Why? Because Lazarus. Right? Lazarus has come back from the grave. Mary and Martha are so overwhelmed. Like, we got to fix Jesus a meal. 
and we got to serve him, right? And so Martha knows what she does. She uses her spiritual gift of acts of service, and she puts together a meal, and she throws a party, and everybody comes. And now at that time, they didn't have chairs, you know. They just kind of reclined at the table on these pillows. And so they're all sitting around, and guess who's at the table? Jesus and Lazarus. I, I, can you imagine the conversation? Like, hey, did you say hey to the Father for me? Like, and then the other people sitting around the table, Lazarus, what did you do for four days? Where were you? Right? I mean, they have, there's a movie at the theater right now right, about what happens after people die and their experiences. Like, here's the legit story. What did you experience? What was it like? Did you ever, did your life flash before your eyes? You know, I mean, they're going through all this. Was there a big bright light? Did you sit at Jesus, I mean, at the Father's feet? And they're having, you know, imagine these conversations. And they're looking at Jesus and He's the one that caused it all. I just imagine the conversation that's happening around there. And so you're eating and Martha's serving. And then the door opens and Mary comes in. And Mary walks in and she gets down on her knees. And she takes this alabaster jar. And takes it and she begins to pour this perfume. It's called nard, pure nard. Now, this nard perfume, it comes from a very special place. It comes from the, the mountains of the Himalayas. It comes from the, it's full far away, right, and from that land. And, and, and they take it, and this has been pure. It's pure, right? It's very rare. And so they take this, this flower, they get the oils out of it, and they make this perfume. And it's ex- extremely expensive. Like, I buy jewelry, I mean, not jewelry, I buy uh, perfume every year for my wife and all that, right? I know how much expen- how expensive it is. Anybody know? Agree? Perfume's expensive. The good stuff's real expensive. This is the gooder stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is the good stuff. It says it's worth a year's salary. And what does she do? She she takes Jesus' feet, she gets on her knees, and she starts pouring it on it. Now, he didn't have, like, some Nikes on or anything. Well, they were sandals, right? They had, and so fit are nasty, and so she starts to pour it on there, and she makes mud with perfume out of his the junk in his feet, right? And she starts take her hair and she starts wiping his feet. I think it's one of the most beautiful and one of the most gross stories in the Bible. <laughs> like, Ugh, how do you do? I mean, who does that, right? But she did. Why? Because she was so overwhelmed at what Jesus did for her, bringing back her brother. And she cried, it says, and she wiped his, the tears and all that with her feet and, and with her hair. And then Judas, 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 what does Judas say? Why are you doing that? We could have used that. Why didn't you just sell it and let's put it into the, the, the money bag? We could have used that money for some really good stuff. We could have helped the people. But what did Jesus say? She is, she is preparing me for my burial. You're always going to have poor people with you, but she's doing what she needs to do in this time. And so what do we have? We have this contrast between two women and this guy. The two women who experienced Jesus and, and they 
serve and they sacrifice and they and they sob, right? They do all these things and they give and they serve and they worship Jesus and, and they just pour out everything they have for him. And then you have this guy, Judas. <laughs> it says he's concerned about the poor, but the scripture tells us he's more concerned about the money because he helped himself to the money. Here's what we have. We have comparing them. These ladies recognize that Jesus is the one to worship. And they, and they give their devotion to him. And what does he do? What captivates his heart? What does he captivate about church, you know? Money. Money's captivated his heart. That's what he's all about. He's not a care. He doesn't care about the poor people. He cares about the money. And so you show it shows us two different people here: one who followed Jesus and who worshipped Him, and one who's captivated money. And here's going back to this statement: what you worship determines or shapes your destiny. Where did they end up, man? They're, they're in the Bible as women who worship God and examples of godly women and, and, and the godly people. Not just women, but people. And how to serve and, and give your heart and life to Jesus. And then you have Judas who, what happened, goes and betrays Jesus, ends up taking his own life, committing suicide. What you worship determines your destiny. What you choose to worship profoundly shapes your destiny. And listen, you may not... Be thinking you're worshiping money, but some of you are. It's all about how much you have, how much you can put aside, how much you have more you have than the other person, how much harder you can work to get more and more and more and more and more, and you're captivated by that. Or maybe your career, or maybe you're worshiping your family. It's a good thing to love and serve your family, but anything that comes before the Lord is an idol. So what do we learn here? What do we learn, church? Here's what we learn. We learn who truly deserves our worship. Right? Who truly deserves it? Jesus. Jesus is worthy of extravagant worship. Extravagant. Now, like, you know, I mean, you've probably been in services and you see people getting excited and all that, and you're like, what's wrong with them? Nothing compared to what was going on with Mary, Right? She goes down and washes her feet and he pours out her money. She does all this. Why? Because she knew he's extravagantly worthy of it. And here's why. Because here's what they figured out. There is none more powerful, good, and loving than Jesus. There is none more powerful. So here's what they experienced. They saw him with his words say, Lazarus, come out. And he came out of the grave, and, he, and they said, this is no ordinary man. And listen, if you're going to give your life to something, you need to make sure it is the greatest good and the greatest power you can give your life to. And they recognize there is none higher, there is none more powerful. He has the power of life and death. Listen, your job does not have the power of life and death. They may kill you. <laughs> But it does not have the power to give you life. Listen, when you die, they'll have somebody replace you in a week. I tell that to our church staff. I'm like, hey, listen, we're all replaceable. And they're like, well, that's not kind, but it's true. If I, if I have something happened to me this week, I'm no longer here. Guess what? They'll have somebody preaching next Sunday. We're all replaceable. And yet we look to our career as the thing that's going to give us purpose and meaning. 
It doesn't. So you give your life to what matters, what's purpose, what life-giving. And Jesus showed that there is none greater than him. So you give your life to what's the ultimate high power, the divine. And then you give your life to what is ultimately good, and there is none more good than Jesus. But you know what they also experienced? Incredible love. Not just his power. They felt his presence. They, he mourned with them. He walked with them. They, he went to the tomb with them. And, and he sat there and he wept with them. And they experienced this amazing love. And they sat at his feet and heard his teachings about love and sacrifice. And they said, this is the one worthy of all of our love, all of our worship. And they gave it to him. So who's worthy? Jesus is worthy. Still today. There's still none better, still none greater, still none more powerful, still none more loving. And I love my wife, I love my kids, and I pour my life into them. But listen, none of them, and even my parents, can love me more than Jesus loves me. He's worthy of it all. Who's worthy? Jesus is worthy of your love. Also, what do we learn? Why? Why to worship Him? They experienced that love. But you know what their response was? See, worship is a response of overwhelming gratitude for God's presence and goodness in our lives. So they worshiped him. But why? Because why? They were so grateful for what Jesus had done. He brought them back. And not only what he had done for them, but just his actual presence of being in the room. They were overwhelmed by this. So we don't worship his genuine worship. It's recognizing who God is, who Jesus is. But it comes from a heart of gratitude when you're great, grateful for what he's done. I think as we go into Thanksgiving this week, this is a great time for us to stop and just reflect on how blessed we are, how grateful we are. And sometimes we miss it because we're always thinking about what we don't have, what we wish we had, and say what we do have, and how God has been present in our life. Let me... Let me give you a few questions. I don't have them up on the board, but they're listed on the notes if you want to go to the code and ask yourself this week this. Here's a few of them. How have your needs been met in ways you didn't expect this year? Where did God show up and you had, I mean, He just blessed you and you didn't expect it? How about this? Can you recall moments of unexpected joy and peace in your life, even in the midst of trials in the last year? When things were, when the train was going off the rails, you just had this joy and this peace that God has got you. You know what that was? That was, that was God's presence in your life. Who are the people in your life that have been a source of support and love? You know who they are? They are the hands and feet of Jesus in your life. What, are, what obstacles have you overcome that looking back this last year have strengthened your faith and your character? In the midst of it, you're like, oh, what in the world? But now you look back and you're like, that was God working in my life to make me to the person I am today. Here's a good one. Can you identify any coincidences, coincidences, that upon reflection were more like divine interventions of God? In your life, this, you know, in the middle of it, you might have been like, oh, wow, isn't that just crazy, random? No, listen, can I tell you what? There are no random acts in this world. There's just the hand of God working all things for the good of those who love him and live according to his purpose. That's God. 
How has your health been sustained this year? Are there times when you felt protected or kept safe in a situation that could have turned out worse? What prayers have been answered this year? What were you praying for last year that God answered this year? What new opportunities and doors opened up for you this year? When you received, when were there times when you received wisdom or insight, and you're just like, where did that come from? Like, that's God, His presence in your life. When did He give you those? Or when have you found strength in a time of weakness? You know what that is? It's God. It's God's hand. That's His presence. That's His provision and worship. You know what worship should be when we come in to worship. It should be an expression of gratitude for all of those things. We can't control it. It's extravagant love. This Thanksgiving, I would encourage you, church, <laughs> maybe go back through that list. Get, to, get, a, get along a few mornings, go through that, and just start to name those things. And worship Him. The third thing we see is this, is how we should express worship to Jesus. We see how and why, but how should we do it? Well, we see it here, and they model it for us. What did Martha do? She served. She served. Some of you have that gift, that your spiritual gift. You love to serve. Right? Some of you love to sing. Right? You know, some of you are like, I'd rather serve. Let me fix a meal. Let me fix a cake for that person. Let me take this thing to this person. Let me clean up. Let me be the last one to leave and help. That's your act of service because you, you worship. And then, what else we see? We see Mary, what she do? She uh, sacrificed. <laughs> she gave, she sacrificed her, a year's worth of salary to Jesus. Here's what, here's what I've found. Like, when you know who supplies everything you have in your life, you don't mind giving some of it up. When you recognize, but if you think, you're the one that does it all, and you provide it all. You're holding on tight. But when you recognize that He's the blesser, and you're the blessed, you're like, "Let me bless the other people, Lord." So He gives back, and, and she gives back. She sacrificed. That's an act of worship. When we come every Sunday, you know, when we pass around the offering, we get that opportunity. That's an act of worship. When you get to give back. What else did they do? So she submitted herself. I love that Mary got down on her knees and submitted herself. That's an act of worship. When day by day we say, Lord, I submit myself to you. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it's done in heaven. She submitted and worshipped him through submission. And maybe that's an act of worship that you need to start doing. Just submitting your life to him. And then finally, I love this, she sobbed. Worship has a lot not to just do with our head. Recognize, you know what? Real worship is connected in the head to the heart and where we express our emotions. Maybe it's in tears. Maybe it's in joy. Maybe it's in laughter. Have you ever been so, felt so blessed by God you just start laughing? Like, I'm just, I can't even imagine. You just start smiling, start laughing. You're just like, oh, this is God. You know why? Because it's connected to your heart and you recognize you don't deserve it. <laughs> and he's like, God, thank you for that. And you start laughing, and you just experience it. I was talking to a lady who was on her way to church this morning, and she said she cried the whole way to church, just in tears of joy for God's blessing in her life. You know why? Because her worship's connected to her heart. 
So when you worship Jesus, it's with your whole being. It's your actions, it's your service, it's your thoughts, it's giving Him your attention, your submission, and it's with all of your emotions. That's worship. It doesn't just happen in a time of singing. It's throughout the day. It might be in a car, it might be at work. But you understand He's the one that gives you life. He's worthy of it. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, you know, <laughs> what I give my life to isn't very sustaining, isn't very fulfilling. I would challenge you to give your worship. Be captivated by the one who made you, who made you to worship. And you'll never find genuine satisfaction and fulfillment until you're worshiping the one who wired you to worship him. And you give your heart and your life to him and you start to find fulfillment and joy. That's where worship, we find our real joy. But maybe you're a believer today and, and you've heard about, you saw this, and you recognize in your own life that you haven't been captivated by Jesus, but maybe there's other things sitting on the throne of your life. Maybe it's your career, your job, your kids. And today's a day of rearranging that, getting him back into the place when he's worthy of your, of your worship. Would you close your eyes with me and let's just take a moment of reflection. <clears throat> Father, we humble ourselves before you. We come neck recognizing that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the maker, and we are the made, the creator, we are the creation, the leader, we are the followers. You are the giver, we are the given. You are the blesser, we are the blessed. And Lord, we come this morning and we we want to learn to worship like Mary and Martha. So would you give us teachable hearts and hearts that express our love to you. Would you examine our hearts right now, Lord, and would you expose any area of our life that we have made an idol out of, that we are worshiping, that we're captivated by, that, that we've put in the place of you? Maybe it's our career. Maybe it's our hobbies. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's school. And this morning, Lord, you've, you've just shown us that you are the best thing we can worship. So, Lord, help us to worship you with our whole being, all of our actions. Let them be revolved around giving you glory and worth, showing your worth. Our thoughts, Lord, let our thoughts be consumed by you and for you. Let our emotions be attached our love and our expression of how much we love you. So this morning, church, we're going to get an opportunity to come and hold in our hand some bread and hold in our hand some juice, but it represents more than just holding bread and juice. It represents the love that Jesus has for us, that he would give us his body 
and go to a cross and die on a cross for us, that he, he would die and shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins. We're going to get to hold that in our hands and tangibly ingest it and take it in as an act of worship. And before we do that, though, we want to make sure that we're not just saying, hey, thank you, but we are actually <laughs> grateful for it. And our life aligns with our gratitude for him. So in a moment, during this song, you're just going to stay seated. The ushers are going to come, and they're going to hand out the bread and, and the juice. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I want you to hold it. I want you to fill it. I want you to hand, hand, hold it in your hand. I want you to think about what he has given for you. And this is not a table of mourning. It's a table of thanksgiving, where we say, thank you so much for what you've done. Now let my life reflect your worthiness. And so then we, we're going to take a moment to to just check our own hearts. And then we're going to worship Him through remembering Him through communion. So Lord, we thank You for this morning, this opportunity to worship You. We thank You for the reminder of Mary and Martha and the way they worshiped You. Help us not to be like Judas and led astray by things that will never satisfy us. And as we take this bread and juice, Lord, would You remind us of just how much You love us and how, how worthy You are all of our devotion in our life. That we just don't go through the rituals and the traditions, but we genuinely worship you with all of our heart and life and our whole being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So you can just stay seated. They're going to come. Listen, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you never put your faith in Him, the Scripture, I would encourage you not to take it unless today you want to say this, I've never believed in Jesus, but today I'm going to take this bread and juice and declare it was for me. And today you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'd invite you to do that. They're going to sing a song. You guys just stay in your seat and we'll follow up.